Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the State of Recruiting, a weekly podcast featuring the insights of Longhorn recruiting analyst Mike Roach and hosted by Bobby Roach. Roach offers unparalleled insights into the recruiting on the 40 acres. Each week, he crisscrosses the state watching and talking to Blue Chip recruits. And I'm Bobby Burton, a 1992 Texas grad and one of the recruiting industry's founding fathers. I played a formative role in the creation of both 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com. The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hook them. Mike, less than a week to go before uh, our second signing day. Um, any hot news right now that uh, you're following for the Longhorns outside of the coaching search? Um, really, it's just about this big visit weekend we have upcoming uh, for on uh, January 18th, which is going to be kind of an elite junior day. Uh, I've got a running list going on the website, um, and uh, we're tracking names and getting new additions to that, subtractions in some cases. Um, so uh, I think the biggest news coming out of that weekend is we did previously have the Brockermeyer brothers, James and Tommy, uh, confirmed for the visits and was told last night that they actually would not be making it. Anything to read into that or not Not necessarily? I think it's basically a case of, you know, Blake Brockermeyer played at Texas. His uh, Their their brother, Luke Brockermeyer, plays at Texas. The boys have been to, to Austin a million times. From what I was told, it was more of just a thing of, hey, we've, we've seen everything there is to see. We've been to every junior day type visit there is. You know, we're interested in seeing practices, seeing the new staff in action. Um, and, and we've got some other stuff going on in the, in the next couple of weekends, so we're going to take this opportunity to, to kind of lay low. Gotcha. Um, who are some of – you want to highlight a couple of the names that are, that are coming to this junior day? Yeah, a couple of big names on that list. Um, I, I think we could, we could probably start with uh, – obviously, there will be – the commits will be there, Jalen Milrow. All, all of the commits will be there? Um, I'm working on confirmation for one or two more. Lake McCree and, and Juan Davis are, are the only ones I don't have confirmation okay. on. Gotcha. Uh, but but Jalen Milrow, Billy Bowman, Jatavian Sanders will be there. Derek Harris will be there. Uh, Hayden Connor. And then um, some really big 2021 names. Quadarius Davis, the former commit, the Skyline wide receiver, um, who I talked to over the weekend, uh, will be there. Landon Jackson, the, the Texarkana Pleasant Grove defensive lineman. Uh, Tamisha Adelier, uh, Jalen Milrow's big defensive line uh, teammate at Katie Tompkins, will also be there. Um L.J. Johnson, the Cy Fair running back, who I really like, uh, is going to be in attendance. Matthew Wyckoff, who was a new offer from Magnolia last night, is a maybe. And then a kid that's that's really uh, starting to be a name to know, a 2022, actually, De- uh, Devon Campbell from Arlington Bowie, um, who was offered by Herb Hand a couple weeks ago, and a guy that I'm told Texas really, really likes to offer that early. Gotcha. Is that the, the offensive lineman? 
Out yes, of, um, out of that, Arlington Bowie, yep. And he was at the uh, Army All-American Combine? He was not. saw him or where No, um, him? there was a local thing in Dallas okay. called called Trench Wars with a bunch of offensive line, defensive line guys, and I went and saw him there. Gotcha. I saw some video you had of him. He looked uh, very light on his feet for such a for such a big guy. Um, you mentioned the, the commits coming in, Mike. Any of them that you think are particularly important, like, you mentioned Derek Harris, the linebacker from from uh, the Houston area. I would say that he's probably a pretty important guy from a standpoint of there's a new position coach for him, um, a new coordinator on defense, and so he might be particularly of interest and in see how he takes to this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Derek has been incredibly uh, inquisitive about the process since Todd Orlando was fired. I mean, I can remember the night it was announced Todd Orlando was fired. I got a text from Derek saying, hey, do you know anything on who's going to be the next guy? So he's been keeping up with things. Um, But really, I think Derek really likes uh, the University of Texas and really committed for the school. So he wants to give everything the best chance he can. And um you know he's been really positive about things when I've talked to him, and um, so yeah, that'll be huge for him. Uh, obviously, Jalen Milrow, I mean, is probably the most important commit in that class. Is the guy that's keeping it all together and being the ringleader. Um, from talking to him at the uh, All American Bowl Combine, he has had some conversations with Mike Yursich, but uh, getting to come in and one on one and some some you know close time with him is only going to solidify that more. So. Uh, I think for all the commits, uh, you know, you look at Billy Bowman, who really had some, you know, shocking uh, comments when Todd Orlando was fired because for all the um, all the non-recruiting Todd Orlando did, apparently he was incredibly involved in Billy Bowman's recruiting. And so um, I, I've talked to Billy, and he's told me that, you know, he, he's had some really positive conversations with Chris Ash so far. But uh, all those things, you know, it's going to be good for all these guys to come in and meet and greet these guys face-to-face. What about uh, Jatavian Sanders? Is of all those guys, is he the one that they need to most try to that that may be waffling the most? Is that a good way to put it, or not necessarily? Actually, quite the opposite. I was told during the state championship games, when all the firings were fresh and everything like that, that Jatavian was probably the strongest one in the group. Um, and I was told. Uh, from somebody on the Denton Ryan side, so it wasn't even coming from the Texas side. Uh, obviously, you know he'll want to meet uh, with uh, with Todd, uh, Oscar Giles, and you know if they've got their other defensive line coach, be it Frank Oakham or whoever else, in place by that time, that'll obviously be big. But I don't think J- Jatavian's one to worry about right now. Here's an underrated thing I- I'm working on. I have heard some whispers behind the scenes that Lake Travis tied in Lake McCree might uh, end up looking around and or at least be exploring some options, you know, with his uh, position coaches and, and Tim Beck gone as well. Um, and so I, I'm interested to see if he makes it in. He's one I've not been able to confirm yet. That would be a, an odd uh, change, especially since he was injured much of this year, right? Right. He missed the entire season with the torn ACL. Hmm. Well, I mean, sometimes it happens. Um, w- one name that, that kind of – popped up to me and I was going to talk about tight ends are there any tight ends I mean so basically if Texas hires a defensive line coach that should be only one left on the uh, that to go and that's with the news of Stan Drayton telling players he was coming back last night with the news of Coleman Hunts Hutzler 
um, added to the staff at linebackers coach. That really leaves a defensive tackle coach and a tight ends coach, right? Right. Well, uh, Chip Brown talked about Frank Opcom uh, interviewing with Texas Today. So that's ostensibly they're, they're down the road now on the defensive tackle hire. The tight end hire, I haven't heard any real names of late um, that, it, that are uh, definitive, right? And so my question for you, Mike, is are there any tight ends out there other than McCree that Texas is trying to bring in this weekend or that are, that are what I would call blue-chip caliber, top 10, top 15 type players in the state for next year? I haven't talked to any. The only guy that, and I'm, I haven't heard back from him yet, but Varkis Gums, a tight end from, uh, I want to say Decaney. I always get Decaney and New Caney mixed up, but he is Decaney, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah the Harris kid is New Caney. Right. right. Uh, so Varkis Gums is a guy that Texas was on early. Um, they brought him in regardless, you know, despite the fact that they had two other tight ends already committed. I think that they looked at Juan Davis as an athlete that could go on either side of the ball. Um, Gums is a guy that I think I would keep my eye on for that. Uh, but other than that, no, I haven't heard a lot of names at the tight end position. So, you know, if Texas doesn't um, hire a tight ends coach until after signing day, this that allows Brian Carrington to stay on the road, correct? Absolutely, and I think that, that obviously you pointed it out in your column this morning, but I think that that really is uh, something that, it puts them in a position where they don't have to rush to to get somebody in there. They they feel comfortable with, with still having a guy out on the road that they know can can recruit, and then they can take their time and find the right guy. Um, to me personally, you know, I've been I, obviously when we talk about these coaching changes, I always look at it because of the nature of my job. I always look at it from a recruiting side. So, you know, I'll always talk about the recruiting advantages that this coach can bring or not bring, and I think people confuse that when I don't necessarily talk about how good of a coach they are. Um, but that's not really, you know, that's up more on on Chip and Jeff and those guys on our site. I I, I want to bring you the recruiting perspective, and um, I think that to me. I've been very vocal in support of a guy like Emmett Jones as the wide receiver coach. And just getting somebody in Dallas that can recruit Dallas and and recruit it very well. I think, to me, it's a no-brainer, a tight ends coach. You see what happens with the Baylor job and and go all in on on Joey McGuire if he he doesn't get it. Right. And and McGuire is the linebacker coach currently at Baylor, but Baylor looks like they're attempting to hire um, Billy Napier – or Justin Fuente was named as the leader of that job and not not uh, make McGuire the head coach of that staff. Um, so that could uh, be a lot of movement for Baylor coaches in general, assistant coaches in general. Um, and so we'll have to wait and see how that, that plays out, but certainly something uh, for all of us uh, to watch for. I, I think that McGuire is going to have his choice uh, from a couple of different programs in the state um, if it does uh, does transpire that that Fuente for whatever reason doesn't want to keep him, and or he doesn't think that it's smart to to stay around after being considered for the head job, which I, I think that can make for a difficult discussion with with existing players when when you personally have been lobbying for the head job, you know. Um, so I, I guess the next question I have for you is. Um, the guys that are left out there again are the same same group we've been talking about. 
no one's been unearthed as a new prospect for 2020 yet, have they, in, in the last week? No, I mean, the board is, is pretty much still what it is. I think Texas is obviously focused on um, landing Alfred Collins, getting back in with Princely Uma Milan. I haven't you know, checked with both those guys to see if they'd be making it this weekend and haven't heard back on Princely, and Alfred told me he wouldn't. Um, outside of those guys, uh, Kevante Dixon, the Carthage athlete, uh, and brother of Keontae Ingram, Kevontre Bradford, the Lancaster running back, who it sounds like you know Texas is going to really have to battle to get that official visit spot. Um, they'll host Isaiah Dunson, the Georgia cornerback, next week, and then um, still try to fit in Ennis Rakestraw, the Duncanville cornerback, at some point. So basically, it looks like they're looking for another corner, if you're talking about Dunson and Rakestraw, right? Right. And then they're looking for defensive linemen with Collins and Uma Million. And then they're looking for, for a possible running back and a possible receiver athlete type in Dixon. Um, and Dixon has some speed, and, and Bradford does as well, right? Correct. You know, I want to get your take on, on this because it was something that I ran across um, earlier this week. And that was a, a Big 12 coach, uh, a, le- a competing Big 12 coach, allegedly said that, when they played Texas, he was really surprised by the lack of speed that Texas had. Um, and the team that I'm talking about, I, I can't give names because that would be unfair, but they beat Texas. Um, and I, what is your take on Texas's team speed right now, Mike, and, and how they've been addressing it in uh, recruiting? I think it's been a priority for Tom Herman and his staff to find speed. They, you know, they love speed, but I think there's also sometimes a uh, an emphasis placed on size at times when maybe you could go a little smaller and find speed. Um, you know, obviously they've got some outliers in that group. Guys like Devin Duvernay, you know, no, nobody can run with him on just about any field. And, uh, you know, guys like uh, even Jake Smith, you know, he's got some speed, he's got some quickness, all that. But across the board, when you look back at, you know, the teams that were successful at Texas and um, uh, specifically under Mac Brown, um, I think that you saw a lot more speed at the skill positions. Um, now, I think Texas is has a ton of speed to burn on defense, but really when it comes to offensive guys, when you look at who's holding the ball, you know, Sam, a decent runner, not a devastating speed guy. Keontae Ingram, more of a uh, of a patient runner who finds angles than a guy that, that's going to burn you with speed. Uh, Colin Johnson, you know, obviously wasn't a, wasn't a big speed guy, was a big possession guy. I think that uh, you do see them down from a speed perspective. And they have tried to address it a ton in recruiting, especially at the receiver position. I think that when you look at a guy like Dejon Harrison, who may not have the uh, indicator for top-end speed, but a guy who has top-end acceleration, and and really that's what you're looking for in the Big 12 is a guy that can create space quickly – you know, that's a guy that can maybe fill that role. Or, uh, you know, I think Quentin Johnston, obviously, when they were targeting him, could have filled that role. Uh, Kelvante Dixon is a sub 10, uh, or I'm sorry, a sub 11, 100 meter guy. So he obviously does have that long type of speed. But really, it is, I think, if you if you look at it from a, a historical perspective, I would say that th- this is one of the slower teams, more of a, a power plotting team. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I, I, I say that because I want to make sure I, – I could understand that from this past year. 
just like you just went through it. I mean, Colin Johnson, 4-7 probably, ish, you know, maybe under, maybe over. Um, Malcolm Epps was his replacement, and he may be 4-8. Um, and then you talk about, you know, Kay Brewer and, and Jerry Wiley aren't exactly fast. Uh, neither are Keontae Ingram and Rashawn Johnson for their positions, right? Um, right. DeVernay is, um, but, you know, not – I think that and, and Sam Ellinger clearly isn't a, a speed guy, even though he's an effective runner. And I could see that being said and, and nodding some truth to it. Um on offense. On defense, really I, I look at it and what players don't have ideal speed for their positions. Probably on defense, uh Delia Deoe is maybe a a half step from what you'd want, ideally, right? Um, Caden Stearns is not necessarily a speed guy, although he's got a lot of instincts. But everywhere else, I think they had the speed, you know, um, except when, you know, when you have to play Montrell Estelle at safety, that changes. Uh, Chris Brown may not be uh, the fastest. So I, I, I see it more on offense than I do on defense. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think they've got some serious speed on defense, depending on where you look at guys positionally. You know, I mean, a guy like B.J. Foster, DeMarvian Overshone, if they're playing that linebacker position, they're incredibly fast for the linebacker position. So uh, they've got some dudes. I think I would probably throw in, um, you know, Jalen Green and Deshaun Jameson as exceptional speed guys as well. But, uh, yeah, I think the deficit's on offense, obviously, and, and that's where – Um, You know, I don't think them getting beat defensively is a function of them not being fast enough, um, but I think that them maybe not creating enough explosive plays offensively could be a condition of that. Yeah, I I agree with you. I'm on the same page, and um, I guess where I was going with that is twofold. One is I think it's it's it was a more pointed comment towards offense, and second, I don't feel like Texas is trapped in that regard because I do think that you mentioned Bijan Robinson. Well, there's Jake Smith that's uh that's can transfer to that slot. Brennan Eagles is is fast enough. I don't know that he plays as fast as he actually runs. Uh but some other guys, Kennedy Lewis has got some real legit speed. I mean there there are other guys there, uh particularly if you push uh Malcolm Epps inside that that start looking quick enough. I think Mal- Marcus Washington is probably faster than what people realize and will continue to get faster because he wasn't really a quote-unquote top track guy uh out of the at the outset but certainly had that kind of springy athleticism so um i think i think we'll find that interesting uh and something to watch as a as a uh as you know as analysts or slash reporters of of the texas team um i want to go ask you one thing because i did I, I did watch uh, Isaiah Dunson, uh, the young man from Tucker, Georgia, uh, on tape. Can we can we go a little bit deeper on him um, and really tell me what's going on with his recruitment? Because his his film, I really liked it. Um, and Kenyatta Watson is is from the same uh, area and. I liked him and what he did this year. Dunson looks like a player to me. Hey, tell me a little bit more about him because I think he's a, a real dark horse at corner for Texas. 
Yeah, real big kid, uh, 6'2-ish, 180-ish. Um, I, I believe, I, I, from what I've seen on film, and I would need to watch a lot more to have a really informed opinion on him, I, I think he lacks a little bit of lateral ability, but is is what I think Chris Ash will be looking for. This will be, which is funny because this wasn't even a Chris Ash offer. This was a uh, Jason Washington offer late, late in the process uh, before Chris Ash was hired. But I think this will fit what what Chris Ash looks for as far as big physical corners that can press. Um, and and I think that what really stands out about Dunson's elite ball skills. He plays receiver, and you can see him over there. From what I could tell in his recruitment, it really is kind of wide open right now. And I think that Texas has as good a shot of anybody to capitalize on this. You know, he's coming in for this official visit and talking to him. It doesn't sound like he's nailed down really any other official visits. Uh, I believe Kenyatta Watson is, is planning to be his, or will be his, uh, will probably be his host on the visit. So, um, be able to utilize him in that way. And I think that, um, Really, if Texas pushes, has a great visit, and everything kind of clicks with with Jay Valai and and Chris Ash and, and Dunson, I think that it's likely he's probably the next member of this class. Wow. Okay. So you think that Texas has really got a shot there? It's not just a puncher's chance. They're they're a little bit more involved than that. I think it's wide open, and and Texas is the one that has the next visit. So I always love the one that's got the next visit, uh, you know, when it's wide open. Who else is involved with him, really? I mean, who else is he looking at? I really haven't heard a ton of other names for him. You know, I mean, he's not really – it doesn't seem like he's rushing to schedule any other official visits. He's a former Florida State commit, so they're – um, I think they were trying to get back in it for him under their new new coaching staff there. But other than that, I haven't heard a ton of names for him. Gotcha. Now, um, to, obviously, we went through the Under Armour game and the uh, uh, All-Star game in San Antonio this past week. Mm-hmm. There's one more game out there right now, and that's the Polynesian Bowl, which is in Hawaii. Um, and two Longhorns are out there. Have you heard uh, – two future Longhorns, I guess. Have you heard how those guys are doing out there? Uh, and that would be – Prince Dorba, the linebacker defensive end out of Highland Park, and Bijan Robinson, uh, the running back from uh, uh, Tucson. Well, first of all, let me state that my mission next year <laughs> is going to be to get as many Texas kids into that game and then make a case to to twenty four seven that I need to be there to cover it. In, I approve in, it, Mike. I approve. I approve that budget. <laughs> I need to be in Hawaii, Bobby, in January. Um, uh, our West Coast team is doing a great job of coverage out there. Uh, Brandon Huffman and Greg Bisions and Blair Angulo are, are Greg Biggins, sorry, and Blair Angulo are, are, are killing coverage out there. I've been just kind of following them and, and talking to guys out there and seeing what they're seeing. And you know, uh, from what we've heard, this is a game that doesn't necessarily have the star power all the way across the board as the other two does. I mean, right, there'll be right, some right, big right. names, but there'll also be some guys who, frankly, won't be recruited at all, but, you know, they're Islanders or, or whatever, so they fit into the game. I think it's a chance. I mean, obviously, they when you're in a field like that, they've said that Bijan Robinson stands out, and he was named as one of the top performers yesterday from uh, the first day of practice. Prince Dorba also made that list, and it sounds like Prince is playing more of an edge rusher role this week rather than uh, the off-the-ball linebacker role we saw him play at San Antonio. Gotcha. So that'll be interesting if you get a chance to watch that game. That, the game's Saturday, right? It is Saturday. I'll have to figure out the time. It is on CBS Sports, I believe, is the channel. So I know the direct TV number, but I don't know the – 
if everybody's going to have the same uh, same uh, provider as my, as me. So Saturday, and it should be that's an interesting game to me because I think you do when you see guys like that that are playing in a game where it's half and half, kind of, or maybe three quarters D one guys and twenty five percent lower D one guys. You get a feel for who fits and who doesn't. Um, and who's going to make plays and who isn't um, at the next level. And so it's a it's an interesting game. Um, I will be interested to see, A, if Dorbach can get after the quarterback at, a, at, a, at that level as the level gets upped, and, B, if, if Robinson gets any carries at all and what he looks like between the tackles um, in this kind of game because I think that's still the one thing that I've yet to see even enough from his high school tape, you know, uh, because he's just such a big, big play threat at, at South Point Catholic that you didn't see him run between the tackles because, frankly, he didn't need to enough. You know what I mean? Um, they tried to get him in space and, and were quite successful with it. So, um, all right. Mike, you have uh, any, any news on these new coaches and their recruiting territories? I think I know the answer because I read the message board. But I wanted to see if there were any updates since yesterday on that. Not as of yet, but if I'm if I'm guessing, I think that um, as far as out of state, I, I really like that. Uh, the more I read and, and hear on on Coleman Hutzler, the new linebacker coach, you know, I, I still don't know what his ceiling is as a recruiter, but sounds like a really good fundamental coach, good special teams guy, which God knows something Texas needs. Uh, really big time. But I do love that uh, from talking to South Carolina people that he was really involved in the metro Atlanta area. I think that that's been an out-of-state area that's been decent to Texas over the last couple of years when you look at Kenyatta Watson and, uh, you know, it didn't work out for Darian Brown, obviously, but, uh, you know, getting him out of there, I think that Texas has shown a willingness to recruit that area and, and having a guy that has the uh, the skill to do that, you um, obviously the the ties when you look at his resume could be a nation a coast-to-coast recruiter i mean has has worked as far west as california and as far east as south carolina so um obviously a guy that that has ties uh, a couple places and then um jay valai i would guess would be utilized best in dallas since that's where he's from he has he knows a lot of people in the area a lot of trainers in the area outside of those guys i don't have a great handle on it Gotcha. That makes sense. I, I think that, um, I, I think that a lot of it too may be it, it's situational recruiting until the end of this uh, of this uh, uh, recruiting period until the first Wednesday in February, and then they start locking in territories. If that makes sense, I I, I think that may be the plan. And I've seen other coaches who are in tra- or other coaching staffs who are in transition that kind of take that tack uh, that tactic and um, it it seems to be what happens uh in college sports whenever there are coaching changes at that level um mike anything else you want to add before we uh call it a day today just that it's gonna it's starting to become a, a very busy uh, couple weeks here as we run down to signing day you'll want to keep it dialed in to uh, to horns 24 7 we've got um all the news on the coaching hires uh chip had a great uh, eyes of texas this morning and then we'll have all the recruiting stuff uh it's gonna be a busy couple weeks for me i think next week or this coming weekend i'll be busy both days at underclassmen combines for next level athlete uh, the following weekend, I think I'm going to the DFW 
UW Texas High School Football Coaches Clinic to kind of uh, rub elbows with the local coaches and, and try to make some more contacts. And then uh, after that, it'll be signing day. We're going to have full signing day coverage as well. Um, including if everything goes to plan like he tells me it is, I think I will be at Bastrop for Alfred Collins' announcement um, on signing day. So uh, that's uh, a huge one. That'll be a really big one, and we'll be uh, we'll be all over the place. We'll have it covered. Also, we can't quite get into it, but um, I think we'll have a new staff member helping me with recruiting soon. No, you cannot get into that yet. <laughs> but we can at least tease it. <laughs> yes, you can. I'll let, that's, that's fair. I'm happy about it. Um, You've been listening to The State of the Recruiting, a weekly podcast featuring the insights of the best in the biz, Longhorn recruiting analyst Mike Roach. The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk to you next week. Hook up. of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.